God has never promised us a perfect life. There are always going to be times in our walks with God that we go through trials. Some are larger and some trials are smaller. Some are natural for our stage of life and others come about because of other people or even our own selves. Some may even be instigated by the devil, just like Job's giant trial. Some might be for only a day or two, and others might take decades before we see God's deliverance. But they all have one thing in common, in that God has allowed them to come and challenge us. Think about it. If an all-powerful God doesn't want us to have a trial at a particular time, then who or what is going to stand in his way? So when we go through a trial, it will always be for our benefit and growth in some way. It doesn't matter which sort of trial comes our way, what circumstances, what length, there are always three stages of a trial. Number one is the beginning of the trial. Number two is the middle of the trial. And number three is the end of the trial. I know, mind blown, right? How profound is that? Let's talk a little bit about the stages. At the beginning of the trial, things aren't always going to plan. But you have faith in God that he's led you down this path, that he's got you in his hands, and that he will bring you through. Faith is high at the beginning of the trial. Similarly, at the end of the trial, God has already done a miracle. And while you're not completely out of the trial, you can see God's handiwork and the light at the end of the tunnel, and it's just a matter of time before the trial is over. Faith is high at the end of the trial as well. But the middle of the trial, well, that's different. And that's what tonight's message is about, the middle of the trial. The middle of the trial is where your faith is tested the most. In the middle of the trial, you can't see daylight. In the middle of the trial, you can't see a way through. In the middle of the trial, all you see is a giant or a mountain and no way through or past. In the middle of the trial, there are impossibilities. You see, the middle of the trial is where the rubber meets the road. It's the longest part of the trial by far. Too many people give up in the middle of the trial. They can't see a way forward, so they quit. They can't take the pressure and the uncertainty, so they walk away. You would think that because you know you have a promise from God, it makes everything easy. You walk through all of the trials in between the promise and the fulfillment of that promise with a song in your heart and a smile on your lips because God is in control. But that's not the case. We are still human. And we need to learn to put our faith and our trust in God even when it seems like God is a million miles away. With any promise that means something, God allows you to be stretched, to be tested, to be tried. It's easy to believe God's promises when everything is going well. But how much are you willing to trust God when everything isn't going to plan? How much are you willing to trust Him when the clock is ticking and time is running out 
and the pressure is on. How much are you able to believe God when you're staring disaster right in the face? And how much are you willing to trust God when it becomes impossible for the promise to be fulfilled? The thing with God's promises is that they will always be fulfilled. But they will always be fulfilled in His time and in His way. Even if there seems to be a hard and a fast time limit, it will always be in His time. He is still able to fulfill His promises even after the time limit has passed. Why? Because He's a God that does the impossible. Why? Because He's the God that created time in the first place. So He has full control. God is not limited by time or our concept of time. When we see a time limit pass, we start to lose faith. Maybe God didn't give me the promise after all. Maybe I got it wrong. But if God gave you that promise, we need to hold on with all of our might. Because God is not a man that he should lie. The Bible says that quite clearly. God tells long stories. I've heard it said many times. Just because something doesn't happen in the way we think it should, in the time frame that we think it should, doesn't mean that God is not in it. God is still more than able. Back when Natalie and I were still relatively newly married, God gave me a promise that we would have a child by the end of that year. And I knew it was God. I put my faith and trust in the Lord. And so March came and went and nothing was happening. And so we thought, well, maybe, maybe the pregnancy is going to happen by the end of the year. And then December came and went. And I asked the Lord about it. And he gave me a one-word answer. He said, soon. It's hard. It's hard. Soon is not a time frame. It's hard. But I still kept my faith and my trust in the Lord. And it was just a couple of months later that it happened. You see, even when there's a time frame, God will still come through if he's given you that promise. First Peter 1 and 7 says that the trial of your faith, being much more precious than of gold that perishes, though it be tried with fire, might be found under praise and honor and glory at the appearing of Jesus Christ. When we're tried and when we come through, when we continue to put our faith and our trust in Him, that's something worthy of honor from our God Himself. When God gives you a promise, there's excitement. There's a peace. You know that you know that you know that God will bring it to pass. And you look forward to what time there will be when God fulfills that promise. But a month later, or a year later, or several years later, we start to doubt the promise. We start to doubt God. Especially if the promise seems even further away from happening than when he first gave us the promise. But David 
went through his trials and persecutions from Saul for years. He was leader of Saul's armies for a time. He could see God's hand and blessings, and he was married to Saul's daughter. The kingdom that was promised to him was one step away. And he could smell it and see how God was going to bring the promises to pass. Everything was right there. He could see the plan. It was all going to come to fruition just the way that God had said it was going to. But there was one big twist in the tale. And it shook David to his core. Now being persecuted by the king of the nation that God had promised he would lead, it seemed impossible for that to happen now. Maybe it was something that he did wrong. Maybe he made a mistake. He didn't take his chances when they came. And now the promise wasn't able to come to pass because of his failure in some way. That would have been preying on his mind. Maybe he even started to think that God couldn't bring the promise to pass now. David was human just like us. There would have been all sorts of things going through his mind. It seemed so close, it seemed like everything was finally falling into place, and now it was an impossibility. But the reality was that David hadn't disqualified himself in, in, in any way. He was in exactly the place where God knew that he would be, and in many ways where God planned for him to be. Because for David to be the leader that God meant him to be, he needed to know how to be humble and put his faith in God and praise God even when times got really, really tough. In none of David's psalms of lament did he give up hope in God. There was none that ended with, God, I don't believe you're real anymore. I don't think that you're able to do anything. He was, there was always a positive message. There was always, I'm looking to you. I'm putting my faith in you. I'm putting my trust in you. You are God and I am nothing. He still trusted him and praised him despite the fact that his promise seemed dead in the water. Even when he was sorely persecuted and chased by Saul over the countryside and he was staring in the face of death. Even in that situation, he still managed to praise God in any situation. And this defined what type of leader David would be. Saul was given the kingship without any trials or preparation, and he ended up being lifted up with pride and refusing to repent. David knew God. He knew that he was trustworthy. He knew that he kept his promises If David was ever lifted up in pride, he knew to repent. Where did he learn to trust God? In the middle of a trial that had no ending in sight. Joseph had two dreams, both essentially the same, that his family would bow down to him. When he was sold into slavery by his own brothers, that seemed impossible. Slavery was a lifelong condition. No chance of being lifted up to a place where any of his family would bow to him. But God maneuvered everything behind the scenes so that he got a master with integrity and compassion. One who would see something in Joseph and lift him up to be second only to himself. And things were looking up for Joseph. 
Maybe he thought that his dreams that God gave him actually had a chance to come to pass now. And then he was falsely accused and sent to prison. One last act of compassion from his master who could probably have put him to death instead. And in the king's prison, he was lower than a slave. He was a prisoner. I'm pretty sure that in those days, being thrown into prison was a lifelong sentence as well. There was no time out for good behavior. You stayed in prison until you died or were somehow miraculously pardoned by the king or managed to miraculously escape. So after a glimmer of hope, Joseph was now in a place where his God-given dreams were even more impossible to come to pass. And then the jealous saw something in Joseph and elevated him to be over all of the other prisoners. And things weren't so bad. It still seemed unlikely and impossible that his dreams would be fulfilled, but there was a glimmer of hope. And then he interpreted the dreams of two prisoners, and things looked almost certain. He had high hopes of being set free, because one of them was being restored in front of Pharaoh. He had high hopes of being set free. But then it was over a year before anything happened. And then Joseph interpreted Pharaoh's dreams and was lifted up to second in command with Pharaoh. Talk about an emotional roller coaster ride of situations getting worse, then rising to high hopes, and then seeing those hopes dashed again and again, up and down, up and down, and further down each time. But God was doing a work in Joseph so that by the time he met his brothers again, he was able to forgive them and understand that they were an essential cog in the will of God bringing about the fulfillment of the dream. Too often we get hurt and struggle to forgive without realizing that God has some bigger plan for you in mind than bitterness and hatred. God is using that situation to bring about forgiveness in you and the ability to use you in a greater way. Job is usually used as an example of how to face trials. The powerful thing is that Job was never given a specific promise for his life that we know of. He was just a worshipper of God, going about his daily life of service to God. Then, when Satan accused God of wrapping Job in cotton wool, God allowed Satan to do some horrific things to Job. In one day, he lost everything, his crops, his livestock, his children. And then he lost his health, covered with boils from tip to toe. And then his friends came to convince him that he must have sinned. And Job never did anything wrong at all. It all happened because God was boasting about how righteous Job was. It was quite the opposite. But Job knew nothing of this backstory. It all came completely out of the blue for him with no explanation, with no warning. And the trial went on and on and on, day by day by day. Talk about being in the middle of a trial. The temptation of Job's flesh would have been to blame God for what he had allowed in Job's life. Even his wife, in overwhelming grief, told Job to curse God and die. Job had no specific promise to hold on to, no guarantee of an end game, 
but he kept his integrity and kept walking with God just the same as he did before. He didn't change his attitude toward God. He didn't blame God. He did want God to bring justice to the situation, but he had no answer from God. Despite still having his wife, he would have felt completely and utterly alone. Did he give up praying to God? No. Did he blame God for the situation he found himself in? To Job, it didn't matter whether this was God's handiwork or something else entirely. Job 13.15 says, Though he slay me, yet will I trust in him, but I will maintain mine own ways before him. That wasn't him saying, I'm going to do what I want to do. That was him saying, I'm going to keep following God. I'm going to keep doing what I've always done to worship God. I'm not going to change because of what's going on around me, what I'm going through. Job knew who his God was. And no circumstance was going to change the way he thought about and trusted in God. I wonder what happens to us when we're in the middle of a trial. We have the Holy Ghost. We have Jesus living inside of us as part of our salvation. But how do we respond in the middle of the trial when the heat and the pressure are on and you don't get a moment's rest? I think for some of us it wouldn't take much to get us to give up or to quit. Think about the things that bother you the most in your life or in the church. The things you complain the most to God about or to other people about. Are they even in the same ballpark to what David, Joseph and Job went through? And we find ourselves winching and complaining about tiny things that don't matter. We find ourselves losing faith in God or getting a bad attitude over the smallest of things. We stop praying and walking with God. David went through horrendous trials for years, being chased by the king of the entire nation to kill him. He feared for his life every single day, but that wasn't going to stop him from praying to God or worshipping God with his whole heart, from writing songs of worship to God. That wasn't going to hinder his faith in God one little bit. Joseph continually went from one horrible situation to another worse situation, each time with a glimmer of hope which was then cruelly dashed, all because of his own family who should have known better. But he refused to get bitter about it because his hope was in something greater. If he had got bitter about it, it would have shown in the way that he reacted to his trials. But he didn't. He still followed God faithfully through every situation and different environment he found himself in, no matter how bad it got. He kept his relationship with God and faith in God intact. And when the time and opportunity came, he was able to actually forgive his brothers for what they had done rather than seeking revenge. And yet we hold grudges over our brothers and sisters in Christ over the smallest of things, despite Jesus living inside of us. How is that possible? How is that right? How is that what God wants? Job 
had everything taken away in an instant. His possessions, his livelihood, his children. He kept walking faithfully with God day in, day out. And yet, we get a bad attitude when somebody takes our parking space. That's not even a trial. How we respond in the middle of the trial tells us more about us than it does about God. God is always faithful. God will always bring us through. And sometimes, in his infinite wisdom and grace, he even brings us through when we have caused to trial ourselves through our own foolishness. That's the kind of God that we serve. But how do we respond when the pressure is on? How do we react when life doesn't seem fair, when the entire world doesn't seem fair? It's in the middle of the trial where God does his greatest work in us. It's in the middle of the trial where God prepares us for greater things. But not if we decide that we're going to get a bad attitude with God or blame other people or to stop praying. You learn nothing. You're only able to be used by God very little if that's your reaction to the middle of a trial. Allow God to use any situation you find yourself in to mold and shape you into the type of Christian he wants you to be. Regardless of whether it seems fair or not. Regardless of whether God's promise to you can come to pass now or not. The middle of the trial is where we need to put all of our faith in God. Despite what our eyes and our ears and even other people are telling us. Despite our own understanding of the situation. Even despite the fact that it's an impossible situation. God is not limited by the impossible. God laughs at impossible situations because he is and always will be greater than those situations. It's hard to see God's hand in the middle of the trial. I know, I've been there. You wonder if you've taken a wrong turn and can't get back to where you need to be when you're in the middle of a trial. You struggle with your understanding of the situation and your emotions in the middle of the trial. You find yourself facing impossibilities in the middle of the trial. It's easy to feel hopeless, helpless and depressed in the middle of the trial. But that's where you need to dig your heels in and put your faith in God harder and more deliberately than ever before. There's going to be nothing natural about it. Everything in you is going to tell you to try something else, to do a different way, to to give up, to go back. Everything around you is going to say something else, but you need to choose to trust God anyway. Right in the middle of the trial, where you only see blackness and murkiness and darkness. Nothing is clear. Nothing is makes sense. God is more than able to do the impossible where it's needed. Your answer may come in a completely different direction than what you're expecting. The solution may come down a completely different path than what God led you down in the first place. But God will somehow, amazingly, miraculously bring you out of the trial. And your faith in God will be increased exponentially. A few months back,
God was bringing everything together for my parents to come over to Perth. And he was orchestrating everything and and he gave us pretty clear direction and, and gave us all incredible peace about the direction that we were taking. And so we followed the direction. We were doing everything that we could. We were going to um, sell the house. We, we'd already um, started selling the house. We'd already put it on the market. Um, and we did find a buyer. And now we needed to find some place to go. We Our plan was to rent and then uh, save up and, and build a house from there. Um, that was going to meet, that was going to fit everybody. So we're doing everything we could, but nothing was happening. And, and time was ticking on. And just so okay, well, we're just trusting in you. We, we know you've got everything in control. And then nothing still kept happening, and we're in December, and it's meant to all settle in January. And, and so we start looking for houses that might actually fit all of us for a reasonable price and that that has exactly what we needed it to have, which probably wasn't that likely. But the second house we went to ticked almost every single one of the boxes. And so we ended up putting in an offer on the house and it was accepted. And so and it was all set to, to settle at the same time. And, and so we, we then went forward in that. And everything was positive. We believed the Lord was in it. And then it came to the position where it was going to be almost impossible for us to get the finance that we needed. So we'd already signed the contract. We were trying to get the finance and there was... Uh, a near impossibility in front of us. And the broker was, was doing everything in her power and, and she was looking and, and she was trying to find where we could get a loan that we would be able to service. And nothing was was happening and I was I was praying about it and, and the Lord would keep giving me a peace and, and, and then, you know, the, the doubts would come back again and 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 eventually I got to a very, very low place. I was at work and um, and I was just seeing no answer. I was seeing no way out of the trial. I was seeing the impossibility of what was in front of us. And a guy from work, a friend at work, he, he, he pulled me aside. He obviously saw saw my my um, my bearing and he went down into we went down into the cafeteria and and he he's a christian but um but he he doesn't go to to an apostolic church and we were talking and i was saying you know that there's you know this is really difficult and and uh you know i'm not sure it's going to be able to happen and his words to me were he said he said you're a man of faith he said, why don't you have a little faith? Yeah. And I'm thinking, <clears throat> and I'm thinking, this is God talking to me. 
And then it was a couple of days later when there was a glimmer of hope. And then God made a way. God opened a door. And then God allowed everything to move all the way through into where we have our house now. And the way that it's worked out has just been all orchestrated and, and perfectly planned by God. The timing of everything has been amazing. But the middle of the trial... That's where it's hardest. That's where you need to put your faith in God like you never have been able to before. If I could get someone to the piano, please. If you're in the middle of a trial right now, now is the time for a faith and an attitude check. The trial isn't going to mean much if you fail to receive what God is trying to show you through the trial. And you may need to go through a similar trial later on to get to the place where God wants you to be. So it's in your best interest to pass the trial this time. If you've already gone through the same trial multiple times, then start asking yourself how you've been responding to the trial each time. God wants us to grow into who he needs us to be and sometimes that takes a bit of pain for our benefit to bring about a benefit to God's kingdom. And then he can start unveiling his ultimate plan for your life. He might have revealed a part before of his plan. He might have given you a promise. But he wants to take you further and deeper than you even imagined. And he wants you and needs you to be ready before you get to that work that he wants you to do. God always trains those who he wants to use. He calls them trials. And if you're not in the middle of a trial right now, thank Jesus for that. But more importantly, now is your chance to pray to Jesus and determine within yourself that you're going to approach any trial that comes in the right way when Jesus next allows it. Especially if you've gone through some trials over and over again. Jesus wants and needs to use us in these last days. But he can't if we don't approach his training ground in the right way and with the right attitude. So I invite everybody to the front of the church, to the altar, who wants to be useful to God and wants to be used of God. You can't get there without God preparing you first. But you only get there if you approach the trials you face with faith, forgiveness, and faithfulness. Won't you come this evening, won't?